Welcome to the Best Boss Ever podcast. I'm your host, Christine LaPerriere, president of Leader in Motion. On this show, we're going to gossip about the best boss you ever had. We're going to hear stories about things that they did that helped you feel valued, helped you feel engaged, and really inspired you. We want to hear about the bosses that changed the way you look at everything. If you want to hear more, join me at christinelaperriere.com and sign up for our newsletter, The Whip. Sharon, welcome so much to the Best Boss Ever podcast, and thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Please introduce yourself. My name is Sharon Giradell. I'm the Director of Human Resources at a mining company. I have a kind of an interesting background in that I've worked in financial services, consumer packaged goods, and, and more recently, the mining industry for the last nine years. I have to say the reason I had to have you on the show is I had the opportunity to work with you in the mining industry years ago, even to help with the advancement of women. We just had so much fun working together. I loved your insight. Also the lightheartedness that you brought to the conversation as well. So I really appreciate having the opportunity to work with you. Great. Yes. And we really enjoyed it as well. And I'm looking forward to working with you in my new role later on this year as well. Absolutely. So let's just dive right in. Tell me a little bit about your best boss ever. Well, I have to say my first boss was an HR leader that I worked with about 15 years ago. And what I really liked about her was that she provided clear direction, empowered her team, and just created an environment where she really allowed us to be ourselves. The other thing that I really loved about her was she had the most infectious laugh. The type of laugh that actually would travel down the hallway, up and down the stairs, and right back all around. And I'll never forget that she, we had a new VP that joined the company. And one of the first things he said to her was, you laugh a lot. And her response was, I'll never forget it. Yeah, I do. So get used to it. <laughs> And I it, love it, that. Yes, it was just so awesome. And I'll never forget that. And, you know, we worked so hard, but we had a lot of fun. The other thing that I really liked about her was she really helped our, our department transition from transactional HR to more strategic HR. Even when we went through so much, we went through an acquisition at the time. There were a lot of long hours. And I'll never forget a colleague of mine reminded me where she said, you know what, guys? We're working for chocolate and candy. Like, let's put things in perspective here. We're not, you know, solving world peace. So let's calm down. <laughs> I love it. We're working for chocolate and candy. <laughs> yeah. So she just had this really nice way of putting things in perspective, acknowledging people's in terms of their work and their contributions and just made it just a wonderful workplace for everyone. So that was my, that was one boss. The second one is my current boss, I would have to say. And what I really like about him is that he has a nice balance and you don't normally see that at an executive level between the technical and the soft skill side. And he has this way of going, of kind of transitioning between each very seamlessly. The other thing that I like is that one of the first months or when I first joined the company, I've just been with the company for over a year. One of the first things that I heard from folks was that he really provided clear direction 
And what they really liked about him was that he's not hierarchical. So like whenever he engaged with them, he felt like they felt like they were heard, that he didn't have this air about him. Oh my goodness, I'm speaking to the president. He has a natural way about him. And it just made things very easy in terms of engaging with him as well. You know, for him, the other thing that I really liked about him was that he just gave me carte blanche to say, you know what, here's where we want to go as an organization. Here's the culture that I want us to strive towards. And so Sharon just go to it. He just gave me the opportunity to really think about the ideas, engage my peers. And, and that meant a lot, you know, because we didn't know each other very well. And there was just, it was just easy. So to this day, even now, he just says, you know, Sharon, you're the head of the people pillar. I'm trusting you. So just, you know, make it happen. And, and that means a lot. And, you know, a lot of people talk about best bosses instilling trust or being, you know, trusting their people. But a lot of the times we don't understand what that means in action. And so when you're telling that story, what I hear is that is the example of what trust looks like where, no, I hired you. This is, this is your expertise. Go for it and getting out of their way. Like that's really what trust looks like in action. Yeah. And I'm, I think a lot of it has to do with, he has this entrepreneurial spirit as well. That has a lot to do with where he's coming from. When I work for very big organizations that are over a hundred thousand people, you know, this organization is about 1500. It's considered mid-size. I feel that sometimes the smaller organizations, you have more of that flexibility in terms of from leadership, that's been my experience where you don't have all of the hierarchy and it's just a lot easier to get things done. You, you pull people together, it's a smaller team and you can just move quicker. So it's just in terms of the trust, I do feel it's something that he learned from great bosses that he's had. And he's talked about some of the experiences he has had that has shaped him in his career. And I, and I believe that he's paying it forward in, in terms of how he empowers his, his teams in day-to-day interactions. I think that's the best part about working for a best boss is it shapes the type of leader that you become because you see it and you know it works. And so it's easy to replicate. So what have you learned from your not best bosses? Yes. We've all had some of those. <laughs> That's exactly there, right. There have been many movies that have done quite well because of bad boss experiences. But, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, no, I'm, I'm, I'm joking. But, you know, I have had more, I guess, unfavorable experiences. And, and what I will say, though, and I think it's based on where I am in my career, is that regardless, I learned something from those experiences. So while in terms of the environment, it wasn't a positive environment, like the first example I shared or my more more recent example, there's still a lot of good things that I learned from them from a personal as well as professional level. Uh, Resilience is one, but even in terms of technical HR skills and looking at things differently, because some of the bosses I had didn't come from necessarily an HR background. I also believe, Christine, that, you know, you you meet people in life for a reason, right? And so there's lessons to be learned, lessons that we we take with those with us. Lessons will be repeated until they're learned. I believe that as well. Somebody said that. I don't know who it was. But so I kind of look at it at that although they were challenging situations that I've gone through, 
I also grew from those experiences. It was kind of forced growth, to be honest. <laughs> That's right. But it, it was wasn't growth. my choice. Yes, it wasn't my choice. But you know what? I'm better for it. And so I'm just moving forward. I, I tend to try not to look backwards. And, and that's what I took from those experiences. Absolutely. And I mean, when you say that, that immediately triggers something in my mind where I go back to some of my not best bosses, you know, less about their leadership, but sometimes about their expertise and how much I really did gather from working alongside them, even if I didn't necessarily enjoy their leadership style, I really got a lot from the way that they operated and just subject matter expertise or, you know, industry expertise. It's a good reminder because we usually focus on the bad from those experiences, but you're also, you know, you're kind of shining a light on the good things that we gain from those. I just don't think it's healthy to, to reflect and, and just take that negativity on. And as I, it's difficult to think that way. I'm not going to lie. It's difficult while you're in the middle of it, but coming out on the other side, there's a lot of things that I still leverage in my current job in terms of the technical expertise that I gained from those experiences. And so that's what I choose to focus on. It's it's made me a better professional, I think, as a result of that. Can you think of one leadership practice that stands out from some of the leaders that you worked with that you particularly enjoyed or found really valuable? Yeah, there's one that comes to mind and it it was again the 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 candy and chocolate company that I worked for. It was a leader assimilation exercise where during the first week that I had this new leader on on board, we went through an exercise of just five questions that she took us through as a team and just to help us get to know each other and understand our our styles. And so one of the things the the questions the first question was what's the ideal work environment? that you enjoy? How do you make decisions? What does it look like when you're stressed? How do you show up when you're stressed? What is your preferred way of communication? And the last one was, how can we help you? And the reason why they're so top of mind is because I just went through this exercise last week because I have another new team member that joined my team. And and so we went through this exercise and it's so interesting because each time I've gone through it, even with my existing team, there's something that we learn more about each other, even the ones that I've been working with longer and even with myself. It was such a powerful exercise, just those five questions but what I've learned is the sooner or the earlier you, you take this approach and you get an understanding, the less your chances are you're going to have misunderstandings, right, in terms of the teams and less assumptions. And so it's really powerful. That is a fantastic exercise. Can you repeat those five questions again? I know yeah. most people are going to be doing what I'm doing, which is, oh God, <laughs> I got to go back to that part where she just listed those five questions. The first one was, what is your ideal work environment? The second one was, how do you like to communicate? Third was, how do you show up when you're stressed? How do you make decisions? And the last one is, how can we help you? Nice. I really, really like that process. I think you're right. Those those are such important conversations. It's almost, uh, if you think of it in context of dating, it's like, you know, do you want to live in the city or do you want to live in the country? You know, those are important things to make sure that the fit actually works, right? Yeah. And I and I and I just found that they were so simple. Five simple questions, and we we went through it. There are things that I had no idea, even with individuals that I've known longer on the team. 
and that didn't show up in the last time we went through the exercise. I just feel that they're so they're just simple, powerful, and I, I really recommend them to anybody that's starting with a new team. That is great. I'm going to be recommending that to, to people everywhere. That is a great practice. There's always a debate over the impact of best bosses and not best bosses to the bottom line. Or for example, you know, you and I know we, we talk about investing in people and supporting people and what is the impact of the bottom line? So I'm curious in your ex- expertise, especially given that you, you understand people in an organization and how important they are, but you also have to live with metrics and results as well. Can you tell me what do you believe the impact is to the bottom line of soft skills and great leadership? Yeah, I mean, they, they are definitely underestimated. In, in, in my experience, you often see that individuals are rewarded based on their technical experiences. It's just natural versus some of the soft skills, which are, are extremely challenging. It's really, as I mentioned, the example with my current boss in terms of how he transitions from technical to soft skills, but they're so critical in, in understanding people, understanding what motivates individuals, is really what is going to help you get the best out of them in terms of results. And I also think about this model that a friend of mine introduced me to, again, at that same company, that company, and it was called PAMOD. And it was something like performance equals ability times motivation times opportunity times direction, right? And if you have some if an individual is at not at their best at any of those four factors then that's going to ultimately impact their performance and so i found that this model when i'm having a conversation with some leaders even in terms of okay when they're saying that something may not be working i try to say okay how do i put some of this into that formula are they motivated do they have the tools and skills that are enabling their performance is there the opportunity in terms of exposure and and what is the leader doing in terms of direction is their direction clear because often people assume that they're clear but they and and i think this remote environment has really taught us that as well that you know it's so important to to have those frequent check-ins because there you don't have the luxury of just stepping outside the office or then coming to your office and asking for clarification do you have a minute or whatnot right so i think that in terms of all of those things really impact one's ability to be successful and Leaders sometimes don't recognize that. They kind of put all of the ownership on performance on the individual and not understand the role that they play in terms of direction. That's the simplest way that I can explain it, if that makes sense. (laughs) Well, I I loved that explanation because I think there's going to be leaders that are listening to this right now going, oh, interesting. Those four ideas make a lot of sense. And I guess, you know, to your point, I... I always find leadership and people and culture so interesting because it's multiple variables at the same time playing out. So it's never just performance. It's never just expertise, you know? It's like, how do you, but how do you unravel that? And and I mean, again, it's hard to measure. I think your answer that it's highly underestimated is exactly what my experience has showed me is that it's hard to see it in the metrics, but I know when I'm working with someone who's disengaged or who doesn't feel motivated or valued, the results are significantly different. Do you have any last kind of words of wisdom or, you know, tips for anybody that's listening today? 
One of the things that I think is hardest for leaders when they're thinking of their teams and performance is giving feedback or feed forward. And what I really like, I don't know if you've heard of Kim Scott, Radical Candor. Have you heard of her? Yes. Yes. It's great. What I really like about that model and just the concept is that you really are, are showing genuine care when you tell someone the truth. And, you know, I really encourage people to, to be open and to share feedback in real time. And the way that I position it often in, even in my informal and formal performance discussions is that I need to tell you the truth because I do care because, you know, life happens, things happen. And if I'm not here or something happens, I want you, I don't want there to be any surprises. I want people to say, you know, I don't want them to say, how comes they're not aware of this? And I, and if you're not aware, and if I don't make you aware, then I'm not setting you up for success. So I think it's so important. And it's difficult. I know for some people because they feel they're hurting somebody or they're, you know, you're really not really doing them any favors by not telling them the truth. And in the absence of truth, they make up stories and, and that can be more, even more demotivating. And so my, my advice to folks is to really, you know, if you are seeing that there are things that aren't making people as effective as they could be, whether it's through soft skills, technical, you really need to tell them the truth and in real time, they'll be better for it. Absolutely. That is such an incredible piece of wisdom. I'm smiling because I can think of a time that I was presenting and someone who, again, cared about my success came up and said, you're using so much self-deprecating humor, you're actually hurting your own credibility. Mm. And I knew her and respected her. And I'll never forget her giving me that piece of feedback after I had taught for the day. It was just wildly insightful. She, she literally changed the course in the way that I performed just by really giving me an observation that was authentic. She's like, you know, your stuff, you know, you've got everybody's attention. You're not having any problem with that. But she's like, why beat up on yourself in front of people? It's not funny. (laughs) And I was like, wow, I don't think I would have ever known. I always say it was that broccoli in the teeth moment, you know, and it, it came from a caring place. So the ability to do that at the same time, it, it changes you know, it changes the way you pay attention to your performance in the future. So I'm, I'm smiling while you mentioned that. Great. Yeah, it's good. The radical candor is fantastic. There was so many good tips in here. So I have to tell you, I really appreciate this, Sharon. I'm going to probably have to listen to this a few times, make sure I capture all those good questions and that model that you gave. Uh, there are so many usable tactical things that we can action out of this. And then I'm going to take it back to the fact that I love the story of your first best boss with the infectious laugh. And I think, you know, you, you, I've seen that in you where, you know, when we work together, I feel like we always have a laugh, even though we roll up our sleeves and then we get down to work. So I think that's probably one of the things that stands out and why I, you know, really enjoyed working with you as I remember us having a laugh and talking about personal things for a couple minutes and talking about our families. And then we roll up our sleeves and we get to work. Yeah, I think it's so important. You know, life is short. We're going through so much right now. I jokingly say that it'd be nice to put in our job descriptions must have a good sense of humor. (laughs) I like that. I'm going to add that to my job description too. (laughs) I think that everybody can appreciate that. So if you're listening today, you know, go have a laugh. (laughs) That's right. Have a laugh. Thank you so much, Sharon. Have an amazing day. And we really appreciate your time. You're very welcome, Christine. And anytime. 
If you want to hear more, join me at christinelaperriere.com and sign up for our newsletter, The Whip.